Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Club Sports Network podcast. Mike Rosenblum here with my co-host, Lee Rubin, talking about club sports in the age of the coronavirus. We're all dealing with some unusual times here, but there seems to be a light at the end of the tunnel as we've all gotten some positive news on what reopening and restarting our club sports teams and programs is going to look like. Lee, owner of a pretty successful club softball team here in North Jersey, Governor Murphy, June 22nd, reopening playing for all rec sports, youth sports in the area. We got to be ready to hit the ground. What's that look like for you? What are you going through right now? Well, Mike, first, I just want to say, instead of saying a successful program, you said a pretty successful program, which I really appreciate, you know, that those kind of remarks, people don't realize, you know, they don't come very often. They also don't realize that I'm biased and started the program with you, but yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. leave that we, to the imagination. Why, why are you like the good guy that gets to hide and I just become like the guest guy? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's great news. I mean, we're, we've all been, you know me, I've been watching, I call it my Cuomo and coffee every day and I've been watching the news like a maniac, like everybody else, like especially about sports fans in general. We, we've been watching and, and waiting for this kind of news to come and here it is, June 22nd. First question is, is, you know, kind of to bring it back to you is they've laid out this kind of deadline to start June 22nd, but there's no real guidelines of what that's going to look like. And you know, these are things that we are just, you know, you and I have discussed over and over, but I think the other, the, the, the other question, again, to turn it around is, you know, what's June 22nd, what's that day going to look like, right? What do you think we're going to be able to do once they give the official, you know, green light? Boy, I don't know. We are, uh, we're waiting on some guidelines and guidance passed down from the state. You know, they've, they've thrown out this date to move into the next phase. And I know, you know nobody is more passionate about their sports than the youth community. I mean, it's really interesting as we watch all these professional teams and sports and organizations work towards getting back onto the field from an entertainment standpoint. Nobody lives and breathes their sports more than youth athletes and youth parents and youth coaches. I mean, we just, we live and die for it. So I know everybody is excited by that date. We've heard from a lot of our parents. We've been in contact with all of our coaches. And yet we sort of just don't know yeah, right. what that's going to look like. And we're, you know, everybody's sort of making it up as we go along. Yeah, I think the answer to the question that you asked first and then I turned around on you is I don't think anybody knows what this is going to look like. Which is interesting, a, right? That's why we keep asking each other the same question instead of actually answering it. Right. There's a billion different scenarios that I could see. So let's go, let's go with this. So some of the things we've been reading in the tournaments that have been sending us information are some rules and regulations for their version of play that are going to change the dynamic of the game, right? We're going to focus on softball. That's our bread and butter. Um, and we'll get into other club sports in future episodes. Tonight, let's focus on softball. And before we get into how, as an owner, you're going to reopen your program, based on the rules we've seen, how do you see this affecting you as a coach? I mean, we're talking no team meetings. We're talking no, no mound conferences with the team. Girls can't be together. They've got to be spread apart throughout the down the foul line. You know, I'm just thinking uh, – Thankfully, I have the luxury of truly being in the background and not coaching a team right now. It really adds a whole new set of challenges coaching adolescent girls and having to do it from such a distance, bringing teams together, camaraderie, all those things that we've 
prided ourselves on at the Lady Ravens and, and frankly, built our success around. Well, I don't know how I coach in this. I mean, this, uh, I look at myself as a coach, and it would really impact how I approach things. Yeah, I'm kind of going through, like, an email now that we got recently. And, you know, first of all, like, these the, the people who are putting on the tournaments are not just, for the most part, they're not just throwing a tournament together and just saying, come on down, especially the bigger, you know, companies that do this. The rules and the regulations are extremely thorough. And, you know, I'm, I'm cycling through it now. I mean, this is page and page and page from the moment you drive up to the park to the moment that you enter the park, what the expectations are from not just the players, but the spectators, the concession people, you know, there's a lot of thought that's gone into this. Let's try to focus between the lines. What are you looking at? Well, there's, you know, I'm looking at these specific rules. And as we've mentioned before, like, you know, each state looks like they're having yep. their own set of guidelines, which is pretty interesting. But, you know, the big things are the obvious, right? I mean, the umpires are going to be positioned in, in different locations. I've read some tournaments are going to have umpires behind uh, the pitcher's mound, which, you know, that's kind of old school, right? We've all played in Little League games where yeah. umpires did it from behind the mound, so I don't really see a huge problem there. There's a health risk for those umpires at older age levels. Some of these girls can really, you know, Turn really crush around. the ball. Yeah. But, like, at the younger age levels, 10s, 12s, I mean, you know. Yeah, you could probably be umpiring that way regardless. Yeah. I don't see that as being a, a, a challenge. But in some of these, like where the umpire is going to be, you know, six to eight feet or whatever, six feet behind the catcher located in opposite yeah, yeah. batter's opposite box. Opposite batter's box from the hitter. That's going to give him a uh, great view. Yeah, I mean, right. And for, for me, that's sort of like, not that that's overdoing it or that it's just like, that just seems like not an effective way to really, you know, try to, to, try to restart this thing. I so mean, I think I, that's going to be part of the struggle. I think it's... It's one of the things we're hearing, again, from the higher level leagues, right? The professional leagues that is, how do you restart this in a way that's going to be safe without changing the game? Right. And boy, I, it, you sign up for some of these competitive tournaments where it's not just about showcasing skills, right? But where it is about wins and losses. And you want players and parents and coaches to turn it off and, and dial it down. And um, right, we're all used to, to second guessing umpires umpires are used to being second guessed and now now they're trying to make calls from you know right. using and, drones and above the field mike not to cut in but look this is we're talking what what's today's date right now june it's, 2nd uh, june 2nd and three weeks out seen, yeah three weeks out and a lot of stuff and a lot of things can change over time sure. so i do believe that the initial guidelines that are being sent out are going to be more on the defensive protective side as they should be right because you know, in order to, to kind of get where we are, you know, these tournaments have had to really show that they are thinking every which way. Right. And the goal um, is to stay open, not to get open, right? Exactly. The goal is not to get open. It's not for tournament number one on June 25th. It's for tournament number eight on August 25th and then rolling into the fall, right? If we play two tournaments and have to shut down again, then it's all been for naught. That's not no what any of us are it. looking for. But, you know, you're looking through the rules here. And, again, I think these could change over time as things continue, hopefully, to get better. But you're looking at rules like – I'm just going to read a couple, right? The, obviously, we just discussed the umpire's position where they're going to be. You know, the way that warm-ups – even the warm-ups are going to have to change the way – That's a great example. How do you prepare your team when your team can't be together? Right. 
Right. And, and I think because you're all adding it, right. We're used to, we bring our kids there 45 minutes to an hour before games, even without places designated for us to practice. And we find a place. And now these tournament sites are, we're being regulated that like, Hey, it's get out of the car and it's be ready to play. So now what do teams do? You know, how, how do you as a coach prepare your team? How, what, you know, I don't know what the, I don't know that there are answers yet. We're going to have to figure this out as we go along, but boy, there are going to be some lumps along the way. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and, and this is just the, the way that we're going to have to live in, you know, in order to get back to, you know, playing sports, but you know, a lot of these rules is, you know, no shaking of hands. I mean, you know, no lineup cards. That's a know, really that. good thing for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we always be, yeah. If you're playing against us, we're, we will always be the away team. And, you know, quick story. I once, one of the first tournaments I ever coached in, Mike was coaching with me and I had filled out an incorrect lineup card. The umpire refused to start the game until I corrected it. I had no idea what he was talking about. So I uh, pretty much started crying walked back to the dugout asked mike to please fix this i don't know what i'm doing and uh yeah i promptly got thrown out of the game after handing it to him and we've learned a lot since then but uh, yeah mound visits no team huddles no seeds no sharing of equipment uh new balls and fresh packaging are used to start each game i think that's those are all great things you know what let's stop for a second i mean we're, we're talking about the coaching aspect no sharing of equipment is a huge issue for some of these organizations yeah. You know, we're in North Jersey. I, I think most of our girls have their own equipment, but I know, I know teams that have team helmets and team bats. I don't know how that's enforced, but if that is something that is enforceable, well, that could be a real problem for some of these organizations. I mean, you're talking about a, an additional cost in, a, in club sports where, right? I mean, we're, we're probably on the low end of what club, some club sports can cost, right? I mean, Boy, be a club hockey team, right? And have to yeah, not share point. equipment and not sit on a bench and. Well, just the casual things too of grabbing one of your, you know, one of the girls sure, their, bat their bats and just hitting some fungos. I think that we're all just going to have to adjust to this new way of life. It's going to be a huge adjustment period. You know, we don't even, you know, while softball and baseball certainly are sports that are naturally more distant we you know there's a lot of shared spaces a lot of you know it's part of the joy enjoyment of it is the high-fiving the camaraderie the huddling the you know the in-between inning talks i mean these are things that for the time being we're just going to have to do without and figure out you know a way around it and, and find this new normal of, of sports what do you see the direction of the program for the immediate future is it just pick up where we left off I mean, is that what everybody's doing, right? Again, we've talked to these other coaches. Is the general consensus that as on open day, yeah, the play might look a little different between the lines, and yeah, you might not have the dads behind center field or screaming at their kid in the batter's box from behind home plate. So, again, there are silver linings. Can I, to everything. Can I, I'm going to jump in. I think that these guidelines are so restrictive and pretty hard to kind of, you know, uh, what's the word, police. Mm-hmm. I think quickly we find ourselves falling into old habits and, you know. Well, that's been one of the concerns we've talked about is on the other end of that is, are these guidelines going to be so restrictive that while we have permission to open it up, it prevents us from opening up. Now, again, we, they say we can play softball, right? They don't say we can go play tournaments. That wasn't what the governor Murphy's 
mandate was. So unfortunately, depending on the restrictions and the guidelines, playing softball might only mean having practices of 12 kids at a facility. Might only be being on a team field with one team, right? We're assuming that with these mandates, it means we can start tournament play. But it goes back to we don't. We don't know, know if anything. that's what's going to actually look like. It might just anything. be us practicing for a while. We are all on this kind of assumption train where we're just and this hopeful train that it's going to go back to the way it was. But like you said, it, we very well may just have three weeks of just where, or who knows? I mean, there's, I don't even want to put a time limit on it. There's no saying when we are going to get back into 150 people, five teams at a complex. You know, complex. I think it's, it's so funny because earlier in the show, I was talking about how, boy, I can't imagine myself coaching, right? I can't imagine myself coaching with a mask on and not being able to yell at my girls. You talk about cutting me off of my legs and you're taking away my voice. I can't imagine not being able to have a team huddle at an important time of the game. Like I build my teams on the, that type of communication. So boy, it really restricts me at the same time. I think about good coaches and good programs are going to come out of this and they are going to hit the ground running. Right. I know our girls have been doing some organized things at home that we've been trying to encourage them to do. <laughs> I think about well, this what is I, perfect... I would kill for five weeks of practice before my tournament started because I know everybody else is not going to practice as well as we are. Well, this is also a perfect Rosenblum environment where you've always – We're not talking about the girls... pandemic, right? No, right, no. <laughs> yeah, you've always given your girls – you know, you've treated them like adults. You've made them do things on their own. You've made them self-sufficient. Yeah. You've given – right, they're, they're accountable for – for everything from the equipment to everything. I mean, we've gotten in battles before in indoor practices where, you know, in, you know, I just want to, or, you know, just dive in and help them get set up because it's nauseating watching them. And you're like, no, they need to learn. And you know what? The, the, you're right. The answer is not to just, you know, fix it for them. They have to learn how they have to learn how to be accountable and, and take responsibility. Teams that have that, right? Teams that are more self-sufficient that don't need to be told what to do because, like you said, coaching in this climate, that's something – the job is hard enough, let alone telling every girl what to do and where to stand and where to be. Like, they need to have some sort of responsibility, that maturity of being able to, you know, be able to do things on their own a little bit, you know? And, and that's that takes time, you know? You got to – you got to – teach your kids that sort of ability, you know? Yeah. One of the things I think we've, I feel like I've seen, you know, in the last five years in this club softball world is look, the successful teams are successful in large part because they have premier talent. Right. And there's no denying it. There are, there are clubs in the area. We go to these right. tournaments and the same teams are winning the same tournaments every single weekend. Right. And in large part, it's because they've got the stud in the circle and they've got the girl who can hit balls over the fence and, they're outstanding top to bottom. There are some teams that are just uber talented teams. There is a whole, right? If you're looking at the bell curve, that 80% of the teams, though, I feel are very in, much in, focused in the on the play, right? Yeah, right? It's let's play as many tournaments as possible. Let's play as many innings as possible. And I'm not doubting that they practice, but their practice is always leading towards play as opposed to you and I come from a high school collegiate competitive sports world 
and it's so different. And this is where we've talked about it. That world is practice five days to play one day. This world is practice one day to play six games. It's completely flipped. Well, we've, we've heard it within our own program, not to cut in, but it's like everybody's equating the tournaments as like playing our season. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, that's part of the, the, the pie. But really, the, the most important stuff is that you are getting your practices in, right? I mean, that's... I so mean, it's, it's just so interesting, right? The club world is the opposite of where we come from. So because of that, because we come from this world where it's practice five days to play one game, as opposed to practice one day inside to play five games, we've always put an onus on our practices. Our practices have always been organized, efficient, purposeful, and we, you know, we struggle sometimes in tournament play early, younger ages, teams that are developing and learning, because we'll spend six practices on forum fielding. And so that's great. We go into a tournament play and all our kids know how to do is field the ground ball. They don't know how to do anything else. But eventually we build up to success. It'll be interesting to watch the cream rise to the top here, right? It always does in every situation. Now, look, again, you're going to have those 10 teams that you can just roll out the balls and they can throw 64 miles an hour. So it doesn't really matter what, what, what happens anywhere else. But for that, Middle of the bell curve. It's going to be really, you know, I think this is where good coaching has an advantage because this is all about preparation. And things are changing, right? Girls have to learn new things. It's all about how do you prepare your girls for what's a different version of the game they've played for the last 10, 12 years. Yeah, and and to talk about from the player's perspective too, you know, this is a great opportunity for a lot of girls to have – caught up on some players maybe who are a little bit more talented you know because here we've had three months now where if you're doing nothing for three months I mean it's gonna show and also if you've been doing something if you've been grinding if you've been going out there you're gonna be you're gonna feel and you're gonna be more ready to play so interesting because you and I grew up in an era I mean you were right at the beginning of the lessons right I mean I was really I was I mean I was I was taking lessons from a pitching coach at in the swing who was renting out a lane. I mean, like it did that, that world is completely different. Now. My point is these kids have never gone three months without doing anything. You and I would have gone three months in the winter when we were kids of not playing baseball, right? I was playing basketball. I was playing street hockey. I wasn't, there were no lessons in New Jersey. You weren't playing baseball from late no from Thanksgiving to February. You know, there was no baseball to be played. There were no, there were no lessons. There were no baseball schools. So we went three months without throwing a ball, right? Maybe you hit off a tee, you hit some wiffle balls, but like it's not the world it is now where these players have never gone this stretch without playing softball because they're all taking lessons in their off season. They're all joining camps. Those things didn't happen when we were growing up. I mean, this is the first time these kids have been faced with this. Yes. This is going to be an opportunity early on. Everybody's going to be, or everybody had would have the excuse to be in the same kind of place. Yeah, I think that's the message, right? Is you we need to be the program. We whoever's listening, right? This is the message <laughs> to your programs, but we need to be the program that hits the ground running, right? We need to be the ones who are in mid-season form on June 25th when nobody else has touched a ball in 3 months. Yeah. And if you know, if that means we've discussed this, right? And that means 
cranking up machines to 90 miles an hour. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. <laughs> right. And, and putting the, putting the onus still on the, on the practices and not yeah. just jumping into a tournament just for the sake of jumping in. I mean, that's important. You know, that's, that's always what we've been about. We've always been about we, this program we're speaking, you know, you and I now just talking, but you know, this program will never, you know, it's never been about winning championships. It's been about development development. It's been about yeah, but you know, and I don't, yeah. I'm not embarrassed to say that on a show, our program's philosophy has always been about development. Yep. What's been so rewarding is that good development leads to good results. It leads to tournament championships. It might take longer, right? You're not, Right, you're not gonna but get that. We're developing it, right? It's like any system. You develop your own talent. There it takes time to do that. But we've been rewarded with with lots of championships and lots of competitive softball. Let's go in that direction for a second, Lee. The Club Sports Network podcast here with Lee Rubin, Mike Rosenblum. Let's go in that direction for a second. You know, at the older levels, you have these showcases which are less focused on the competitive aspect. It's less focused on the winning and losing, and it's more about exposure for our players as they prepare for the next level. Now we're talking about 12-year-old softball, 14-year-old softball, the height of the competitive scene, where the umpire is going to be six feet behind the catcher in the opposite batter's box trying to call balls and strikes. It does not lend itself to good competitive softball. Do you see the possibility for – is there a shift here? Does, this, does club sports become less about the competitive aspect in the championships, and does it become more about the exposure? Do these tournaments all become – four game round robins without a championship because we've seen that in some of these rules that are posted as well and is it not about trophies anymore and it's just about every kid plays three innings and kids are rotating positions and it just becomes about i, I don't know the Can answer i tell you something I, I think the answer is it should be for the time being i think as long as these rules are modified and you know depending on how modified they are but you know the further they get away from the natural state of things, the the the, the less the more winning becomes important. Right, the less, the winning. less winning becomes that much you know that that important, and the more it becomes about the experience of getting back on the field, getting yourself live at bats, doing things live in game, and learning that way. But this isn't going to last forever, so I don't think the culture is going to change for that long. Right, I, I think over time we'll, we will get back to where we were we also will you know take some of the lessons from all this stuff and maybe and hopefully softball will even be in a better place after yeah but, i'll be curious because it seems like you know people really embrace the showcase model right like that's a popular model there are competitive tournaments and yet the college coaches want to come to these showcases it's just interesting that you know we get caught up from a from a coaching and parenting perspective specifically, we get caught up in the competitiveness, in the wins and the losses, and I'm as guilty as that as anybody. But I wonder, depending on how long this goes on, if it does create maybe not a complete shift, right? Maybe not a total shift, but a shift in more and more of these youth-level tournaments offering set game options of here's a five-game round robin, three games on Saturday, two games on Sunday, and we just want our girls to just go play softball. And everybody wants to win, but, you know, it's not a championship game, 8 o'clock Sunday night anymore. Yeah. Which I'd I miss. I, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I would miss that aspect of it. Uh, I'd have a hard time coaching not to win. So yeah, I definitely fall into that category. But 
again, I think for the time being, I think we're all going to have to deal with this bizarre sports landscape. I mean, it's going to be bizarre from the professional leagues all the way down to golf tournaments happening without fans to baseball, maybe having a 50 game season, major league baseball, uh, to football, playing without sta- fans in the state. I mean, our love for sports and competition and, you know, to, to kind of talk about you know, your question, at the end of the day, I think the most important thing, okay, of course, you know, for those that are talented enough to have the ability to play in front of that 1% one per, of 1%. 1% of those girls that are really going to play mm-hmm. at a high level or any level, any type of college level. I mean, that's, it's just – it's such the odds are very small what it's most about is are the experiences that you have with your teammates and with the families their experiences they have with you know other families within you know if we were to pull most of our families i think that's what they would say these are those are the things that last forever the friendships the relationships nobody remembers the fact that we won the linden tournament in 2018 i remember in the fall i know your memory because you're a good guy <laughs> but they will always remember who their teammates were they will always remember the friendships that they made i think part of getting back out there has as much to do with the you know reconnecting with you know your friends and making new friends and that experience of that it's going to be a little bit different but I think that's the most important thing is that we get back to the beauty of softball, which is all about family. It's all about, you know, friendship. It's all about uh, learning sportsmanship. It's all about being able to be coached and being coachable. Those are the reasons why we need to get back to playing. Some of the most impactful and important people in your lives will be a coach of yours one day. We all have coaches that, you know, really made a difference in our lives. And you know, that's, that's an important thing that a lot of us are missing out on right now. Uh, a lot of the girls and a lot of the, the kids who are playing are missing out on. But, you know, I, I think in the short term, I think, you know, if you're winning a tournament and you got the guy behind home play calm balls and strikes from 14 feet away uh, in the stands and, you know, you win the game because he's calling strikes that are, you know, just. Yeah, what's that, it mean at that point? That to me will always have an asterisk on sure, it. Sure. What's it? Yeah. What's it mean at that point? You know, it's, I think. It's a great point because, right, we started the show asking what does reopening play look like? And the question came from a competitive perspective. That, that's where my mind starts. I always start with that competitive, that competitive point of view. And I think that you probably hit on it, which is doesn't really matter, right? It doesn't really matter. And not only is – look, I get it. Winning is secondary at this level always, which is yeah, as much as – I joke about not believing that. I do believe that it's about development and the winning comes later and it's important to want to win, all that. But now it's really secondary. Now it's almost no longer the purpose, right? And all those other things you just discussed are now truly the purpose, right? Because as much as we're about development, you step in between the lines on Saturday and it's about winning, right? You start playing in elimination games on Sunday, it's about winning. And now it's sort of, you know what, guys? Let's just go play softball. I'm glad we're here. And so maybe, maybe the rules don't matter, right? As we're talking about what it looks like, as, as difficult as it's going to be to coach, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe the only thing that matters is that we're playing softball. And if they want to umpire games from, you know, the International Space Station with the guys they just sent up there, so be it. 
you could not have hit the nail on the head, in my opinion, more. I mean, that's exactly right. It doesn't matter. It's all about getting back out there and, you know, all those things that we mentioned before. Uh, I think that's a good place to wrap up this episode. Let's put a pin in that because I think as we cycle through our club sports here on the Club Sports Network podcast, we're going to come back to softball and we're going to talk about what the future of club softball looks like. And I don't think that's a topic we can get into right now. Unfortunately, the present is so cloudy, there's no way to have a clear conversation about the future. But there's a conversation there worth having, which is what does the future of competitive club softball look like? How does it tie in to the high school landscape? How does it tie into the college landscape? And what do those coaches see our purpose in this club sports venue as, right? Because I think for anything to be successful, all of those things need to intertwine. For Lee Rubin, this is Mike Rosenblum, Club Sports Network podcast, Club Sports in the time of the coronavirus. Stay safe and healthy out there, everybody. We'll Club see you Sports next time. Clubsportsnetwork.com. Clubsportsnetwork.com. And we'll Club see you next Sports time. Network. Stay safe. Thank you all for listening to the Club Sports podcast. That was our first podcast. Mike, how do you think the podcast went? Lots of fun. You know what? It's going to be a, uh, an interesting ride. We appreciate you being on the journey with us. Don't forget to follow us on our Instagram and Twitter feeds at Club Sports Podcast. And if you have any questions or want to purchase some advertising space, of course, please email us at clubsportspodcast at gmail.com. Mike, any fi uh, final words for the fans? Thanks for being here for episode one. We cannot wait to share the journey with you. We'll see you next time.